Welcome to the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne DeLynn Hatton. Today's guest is John Lynch. He is a Silicon Valley executive who is married with four children. He is also the chairman of the Board of Fair Mormon, as well as a counselor to the bishop of his congregation. He has been associated with Fair since 1997. Welcome to the Mormon Faircast. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Let's begin with talking about Fair Mormon. What exactly is Fair Mormon? Well, we're a group of like-minded individuals who are faithful members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we're all dedicated to helping sustain and defend the Church um, and the faith of individuals who want to maintain their own personal faith in the Church. Describe your typical Fair Mormon member. Um, I don't know that there is such a thing as a typical Fair Mormon member. We come from all walks of life. We're reflective, I think, of the vast membership of the church. We're international. We have volunteers from um, many parts of the world, although we're mostly concentrated in the United States. Virtually all of us have um, dealt with either family members or ourselves have faced difficulties with, in terms of our own uh, faith journey. And we're looking to give back. We've made it, we've made it through, and uh, we're looking to help others who themselves might be struggling. So people in Fair Mormon have a variety of backgrounds. Do they lean towards ancient church history or languages? Well, you know, that's, it's interesting you bring that up because actually there's a number of volunteers that contribute to Fair Mormon, some on a part-time basis, some on a more consistent basis. But we have... Uh, we have individuals who are experts in um, in ancient languages, in Egyptian, for example. We have individuals who contribute, who know early church history, who are historians themselves. Uh, many of our volunteers are authors in their own right, who have published widely respected books and um, and write papers. They are contributors to other websites. We, we have contributors from the Maxwell Institute, for example, Interpreter Foundation. We have contributors from the church educational system. In terms of the backgrounds of our volunteers, they, they really come from a variety of walks of life, but we do have some real experts in the field, and some of them contribute, as I mentioned, on a part-time basis. Others contribute more full-time. Some people just contribute. Their, they might be your average member, and they'll help us with editing or with technical aspects. We've got technical experts, of course, and, and that sort of thing. So we, we really have a wide spectrum of volunteers. Who is the leadership of Fair Mormon? So Fair Mormon is governed by a board of directors. Um, there are four of us on the board of directors, Daniel Peterson, Kevin Barney, Julie Reynolds, and myself. Um, I chair the board, and then we have a management team. The management team is headed by Scott Gordon, who is the president, and then there are a variety of individuals who head various committees, uh, including content, generation podcasts, uh, blogging, um, we have technical heads, that sort of thing. I think because the leadership doesn't promote themselves, there's an impression that there's some sort of inner sanctum at Fair Mormon. Is that true? Not at all. Every single one of the members of the leadership of Fair Mormon, the leadership council that we have together, the committees, um, every single one of them contribute, are you know, deeply involved. By nature, any organization has to have a hierarchy for decisions, um, we're admittedly not 
a democracy in the sense that everybody votes, but we certainly seek out and gain the gain the input from all of our contributors, especially on critical critical decisions. Are you supported by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in any way? Uh, we receive absolutely zero financial support from the church. Obviously, um, our desire is to support the church itself. We have um, a strictly arm's-length relationship with the church, obviously. We will reach out to them when we find that there's something that um, might be of interest to them relative to things happening in the news and that sort of thing, because we do have our ear to the rail, as it were. And so there might be occasions where we will pass information along uh, when we understand that there's something that the church might want to address from a public relations standpoint. Does the church ever ask for your help on anything? There have been times when they have asked us specifically about movements um, or about individuals and what we know about their activity online, that sort of thing. And of course, when when we're aware of it, uh, we'll share information as appropriate. So now let's talk about individuals in Fair Mormon and Fair Mormon's work and mission. Some people say that Fair Mormon members lack empathy. Is there any truth to this? You know, everybody that volunteers at Fair Mormon has been intimately affected by either family members who have been challenged in their faith or themselves have worked through it. On that basis alone, I would say absolutely not. I would say that the volunteers at Fair Mormon are here specifically because they want to be of service and to help individuals. Um, are there times when individuals um, aren't perfect in in their expression of empathy? I'm sure that there are. But when you get a Fair Mormon volunteer on a one-on-one -on -one basis, such as when people write into us, ask us questions, I think you'd find that there is a great deal of understanding and empathy, and there's a real personal touch. Um, that's something that's hard to do when, when you're giving really factual answers in a, an article or in um, an, a, a podcast or something like that, not even a podcast, just a, a blog post where you're trying to address a specific question of fact. We t made a decision a long time ago that we were not going to engage personalities, for example, um, amongst our critics and deal with them directly. And so we try and deal strictly with the issues themselves. And so the fact that we're dealing with the issues may, on the surface, make it appear that there is um, just a matter of factness about what we do and how we do it. It really doesn't reflect on a one-on-one -on -one basis the true empathy that our volunteers have, especially for those people that are struggling with their faith. With such a variety of individuals who belong to Fair Mormon, how are you able to maintain a proper tone, and does it ever cross the line? Well, you know, I would say that we don't always uh, do a perfect job in our tone. We've, we've worked really hard over the years to try and have a proper perspective. In fact, the approach that we try and take is we try and imagine if the brethren were to do the types of things that we ventured out to do, that we would do it in a way that, uh, that we think that they would do it. Um, we're not always perfect in that. Our volunteers, sometimes they're in various stages of their own faith journey. We've had some people that have come to join us as they were themselves struggling. They found satisfactory answers. They wanted to volunteer. They came on board with us and then discovered that they hadn't really resolved a lot of their issues. And some of them then might 
backpedal in terms of their own faith um, themselves. We've had a couple people that have become critical. Uh, there are individuals who have left the organization and um, basically behaved in ways that are not reflective of the values that we hold. And so, you know, we have to deal with that from time to time. It's a, it's a reality of any organization that is all volunteer. We don't go out and recruit people in the sense that we vet them and put them through some rigorous process. We're, we take people on face value for the most part. And sometimes those people themselves aren't perfect. And so, you know, we, uh, we just continue forward and try and correct any, any mistakes we make and move forward. You recently authored a statement about editing content in Fair Mormon literature and podcasts on the blog. Tell me about this. Well, we thought it was important to make it clear that what we're looking to do as an organization is to help individuals of faith. We're not here to promote a particular individual or, you know, their own properties. All of our volunteers, for example, not all of them, but many of them are authors in their own right. Many of them contribute articles on other properties, and so or are podcasters, that sort of thing. And so, when an individual volunteers for us, we really keep it anonymous. I mean, for the most part, other than than blogs and podcasts, where it's almost necessary to attribute um, content to an author, most of our content is anonymous. We have over over six thousand articles within our wiki that address criticisms, some, some of them from multiple angles, of the church. And none of that content is attributed. The reason for that is that, number one, there are typically multiple contributors. But number two, we're not here about ourselves. We're here to help the church and to sustain it and to defend it. When an individual comes and contributes for us, then, we really want the focus to be on the faith and the answers that we provide. So we wanted to clarify that sometimes when an individual comes in and they are attributed, if they happen to take um, a path outside in their, in their own um, personal work, when they're podcasting or blogging, when that activity does not reflect positively on our mission, we, we don't want Fair Mormon to be seen as endorsing that content, which is not produced on our behalf, um, to seem to be endorsed by us, if that makes any sense. It sounds like you're very careful about the content that Fair Mormon endorses, and it's probably hard to keep the doctrine pure, as it were, with such a variety of people who join, who come in and out, flow in and out of the organization with such a variety of backgrounds. Yeah, that's exactly correct. And not everybody, um, you know, maintains their own personal path, right? A person might come in at one point in in their personal faith journey and be gung-ho about helping to sustain and defend the church. And then for whatever reason, personal circumstances or what have you, might take a differing opinion later. And they might actually um, become critical. And sometimes it's not always, you know, global. It might be just they, they... they don't necessarily agree with the church on one particular issue. And it's, you know, generally speaking, we try and just keep ourselves separate from them and, and take their content on face value. But there are times when the comments outside of FAIR, the public statements, can be 
so contrary to the mission of FAIR that we feel it's necessary to change things, right? To, to remove anything that might imply an endorsement of this contrary content, this content that's contrary to our mission. And so we'll make changes. Sometimes we'll remove content. Sometimes we'll, um, we'll change things. But for the most part, you know, we're constantly changing. The circumstances are changing. So all of our volunteers realize that content is, is dynamic. We're not going to keep it and put it up, and it's going to be there forever anyway. So, you know, from that standpoint, it really isn't a problem for 99.9% for of, the, of the content that we use. It's, it's, it's not been an issue. In the same vein, if a scholar asks to have their material removed from Fair Mormon, do you honor that? If it's attributed, yes. Generally speaking, when someone contributes to Fair Mormon, they realize that it's for all intents and purposes a work for hire, meaning that they're contributing it without remuneration, but that they're doing it for the organization itself. There have been occasions when individuals have um, given us permission to use their works. We've published it. And then they later found, for example, that it ran contrary to uh, publication rights or something like that that they had. And they'd come to us and said, would you please remove it? And of course, we, we do that immediately. How do you get your money? And do you have any paid staff? That's a great question. You know, from in terms of how Fair Mormon is funded, um, back in the early days, we found ourselves struggling because we were we originally set ourselves up to try and use some of the books that we help publish as a means of sustaining our activities online. And that didn't quite work out. And we have, you know, we have about 100 and so volunteers on a regular basis. And so what we did was we reached out to our volunteers and we said, look, we know you're contributing your time and talent. Now we need you to put some skin in the game. And so our volunteers all pay to play. We don't pay our volunteers. They pay to help us. And so that's a vast majority of our funding. We're talking about contributions of $20, $50, that sort of thing. So that's, that's a big part of it. Um, our, our conference is actually funded uh, mostly by itself. Um, so it is funded through um, the, you know, the, the door charges that we charge when you attend the conference. Uh, and that contributes to our overall, well, it doesn't contribute anything to our overall budget. What it does is it actually helps cover the cost of the conference. Um, and then we have our bookstore. Uh, we have one employee, I wouldn't even call him an employee, we, we, they're paid as a contractor um, who is uh, paid an hourly basis for the actual time that they spend working on fulfillment. And so they're, con they're contracted. They work at their own leisure, but they're the ones that do the fulfillment for our bookstore. We do make a modest income. We heavily discount our books. So really, that mostly just covers the cost of that. It does contribute a little bit to our income. How does Fair Mormon deal with historical and contemporary issues that come up that are hard to justify? Well, you know, there's several different aspects of an individual's involvement with the church that can cause them a challenge to their faith. There might be historical issues that, by today's standards, seem askew. There might be doctrines that conflict with one another or teachings from various members. One prophet may have taught one thing and a later prophet taught something different. Um, and then there are social issues from today that might cause individuals to look at it and say, wait a minute, this this doesn't seem right for me personally, right? 
and we understand that on those particular issues, some of that is a reflection of what's going on in our society. There are individuals, for example, who are more fundamentalist in their thinking. They think that, that there should be no changes in the church, um, that you know we should be locking things down more. Others that feel that the church should be much more progressive. And each of these different perspectives brings a different challenge. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples. One of them would be the church's involvement um, in the issues around gay marriage. The church took a particular um, position on that relative to the fact that they believe that marriage is between a man and a woman and that um, they felt a need to help defend that in the public square. That caused some individuals who felt that the church should um, be more, um, more lenient in its public stance along those lines, whereas the church then, in relatively the same time frame, came out with a strong position in favor of leniency towards uh, undocumented immigrants in the United States, that sort of thing. And this caused the people who were in, you know, in supportive of the church relative to gay marriage caused some of these people to then have difficulty with that. So mm -hmm. you you get you get this spectrum of people, right? And the church really is made up of people of all walks of life. I mean, we have amongst our volunteers, we have socialists, we have people on the far right and on the far left, and a bunch of us in between. And so, um, when when you face these difficult issues, Fair Mormon takes the position first and foremost that if the church has a position on something, that's Fair Mormon's position. We're unapologetic in the fact that we're um, here to defend the church and its positions and its teachings and doctrines. Inasmuch as the church does not have a position on a particular subject, then we take that to mean that we are free to reason through the issues ourselves and come to our own conclusions. And we try not to um, sugarcoat anything from that perspective. There's many times when a an issue will arise, a movement or um, a critic will arise, or several of them, who will take pop shots uh, at the church. And the way to respond from our, from our volunteers as we discuss this internally might reflect that there are several different views about the appropriate way to approach that. So how spirited do these discussions get between volunteers? As spirited as they could get amongst your own family <laughs> members, Right. I mean, we're at Fair Mormon. We're we're very much kind of a family from that perspective, and so um, you know, they people can take strong opinions. And the the good thing about Fair Mormon is that we always take it from the approach of what's the right thing to do, not necessarily what's the thing that I want, you know, that kind of a thing. And so, from that perspective, our general policy is: if the church has a position, then we formulate a response that is always consistent with that position. Um, that's not to say that we, we you know, twist the facts and that sort of thing. But for example, in the cases of the social issues, um, if, the, if the church has taken a very specific position, then 
we'll approach that. If there's two different approaches to how to respond to it, or three or four, then our approach isn't to try and amalgamate all those or resolve it amongst ourselves. Rather, what we'll do is we'll try and publish the various different views. That's the, the direction that we're going with that sort of thing. Are there any deep pocket donors to Fair Mormon? Uh, we've had a couple of people who have contributed um, what by the world standards are pretty modest amounts of a few thousand dollars. Um, nothing, you know, that would allow us to create an endowment by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we really operate pretty much off of the funds that I've, I've mostly talked about here. And, and specifically, you know, we're looking to, to be independent. There's nobody behind the scenes that's, you know, pouring money into us and telling us what to do. We function based on our volunteers as we think best. How many volunteers are there? Uh, there's a little over a hundred, you know, volunteers that contribute on a regular basis. There's probably a core of about 40 that really do most of the work. You mentioned earlier that most of the volunteers have either had a faith crisis themselves or a family member who has had a faith crisis. Have you ever had a faith crisis? You know, um, not in the sense that most people would, would think I'm a convert to the church. And I think that that creates kind of a unique um, a unique situation. I, I came to the church really from a, a very different background. I had to rebel to become a Mormon, to put it that way. You know, <laughs> my, my cousin once said that, you know, looking at our family, the only way that we could have possibly been rebellious was to join one of the most, um, strict and demanding churches on the earth, right? The, mm -hmm. the LDS church. So when I came to the church, I came to it specifically because I had very specific experiences that were extremely faith affirming for me. Um, and, you know, I, I had studied some things out. I had come to conclusions doctrinally about things that I believed. And so for me, I started out with a, um, at least intellectually and spiritually from on a very baseline level, I started with a position of faith. But having said that, since that time, I have had many opportunities to extend myself, to test and to try the principles upon which the gospel is founded, principles of personal revelation and, um, and the eff efficacy of um, of humility and of service. And as I've gone out and as I've reached beyond myself, I have had those principles that I started with, not just reaffirmed, but cemented. I'm grateful that I've never had something where I sat back and said, wait a minute, do I have to rethink all of this? I rethought it before I came into it. And so as a member of the church, I've not had a faith crisis. I've had a faith construction is the best way I could describe it. My faith has been built by my participation in the church, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that, you know, I've had that level of stability. But I do recognize that there are individuals who are out there who have been raised in the church, had one particular mindset that, um, or approach or set of teachings that were not well-founded. And as those get challenged, it might cause them to rethink everything else that they thought was true. I encourage those types of people 
to, to really look hard at what they actually know. What are the things that they firmly believe and those things that God has affirmed for them and take those things and hold on to them. Those things that they're uncertain about, relax. Just set them aside if there's something that challenges you. And then look at those things on, with great patience on a consistent basis, on a regular basis, and see how those things can later be reconciled to the things that you know. What I encourage people not to do is to abandon what they know for the things that they don't yet know. And I see that happen sometimes where someone will be faced with a challenge to their faith and they'll say, wait a minute, what is this one issue? You know, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. And so all of a sudden they take and they put all the things that they've already kind of put in the bank, these spiritual confirmations, affirmations that they've gotten, and they take and they put it on the same level as the things that they now don't know for certain and they question it all. And it's sad when that happens. For me, the best thing to do is to take the things that you know, hold them dear, cling to them, not with, a, with eyes closed, but hold on to that faith. If God has affirmed it to you, trust it. And then the things that God has not yet affirmed to you or that are challenging to you, take and with patience, continue to study it. Some people have claimed that the more you study the church, um, that the more your faith will be challenged. I find it to be exactly the opposite. The problem that happens with studying is when people start to study and then don't study enough. Mm-hmm. When, when they start to study and they don't study enough, they get just enough to have the questions, and then they turn around and they let their questions eat their answers. In other words, they let the things that they still don't know consume the things that they've already had confirmed to them. And so the most important thing to do is to stick with it, to be patient. I've had confirmations that, there, that the, the truth claims of the church, the restoration, the fact that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God, the fact that the Book of Mormon is divinely inspired, that it is a real record of a real people in a real time in a real place, that the teachings within it are immutable, that they are consistent with the will of our Father in heaven for us to apply in our lives. I know these things. It breaks my heart sometimes when I see people who on a social or political issue differ with an opinion of the church, and they come out and they have harsh feelings and harsh words about these men and women who who lead us at the general level. Because from what I've seen, these people have great compassion. They understand much more than what many of us realize. Can you give a specific example of that? Well, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to um, betray confidences, but I will tell you that the individuals that I know within the within the church hierarchy have worked directly with persons who have struggled at various stages, whether it be with you know behavior that's contrary to the commandments, or whether it be with these social issues, and. Their response has always been an arm around the shoulder. I've never seen it be anything different. Um, you know, I live in California. Uh, Santa Cruz is a um, kind of a, a magnet location for um, 
parts of the gay and lesbian community, for example, and there were a lot of discussions amongst members when Proposition 8 was being discussed. And um, Elder Holland came out, and I know that there were there were very tender moments when Elder Holland came out and worked with individuals and and helped them on a personal level. So these are things that aren't seen. These aren't things that the brethren go and tout and you know publish in the in the newspaper. It's one of those things you know we're supposed to give our alms in secret, right? The brethren don't toot their own horn. They don't go out and talk about all the people that they've helped or you know that sort of thing. So. On the one hand, they're publicly addressing general issues as general authorities. Um, but at the same time, they're also being very interpersonal and very tenderhearted with the individual struggles that people have. And I find that to be um, one of the telltale signs that they're true disciples of Christ. If someone has questions, what's the best way to use Fair Mormon? Well, obviously, we've got all of our properties. Um, we've got our answer section, which a lot of people refer to as the wiki because it's based on Wikipedia software. But um, they can go there and they can they can study. Um, they can they can read up on their particular questions. We also have a uh, uh, Fair Mormon questions um, link where if you have a question, you can click on that and you can submit a question to our volunteers and we'll give you the best answer that we can. Sometimes we'll simply refer you to an article that we've already gotten written um, because we've already thought through these things and it's easier to just give you the um, the, pre, the already completed response. But um, we actually, you know, on occasion are still, you know, discovering that people are... are people have new questions, right? And so that's where we where we get some of our development from in terms of the things that we need to address as people write into us. And so we'll maybe take a t- and make a tailored article based on questions that people ask us. But we encourage you to ask us and we'll give you as straight an answer as we possibly can. Do you answer every question? We try to. Every Everybody that writes in, we try and give them a response. We have some people that you know, write in and say, how can you believe this, you know, for whatever reason, fill in the blank. And um, we'll just simply write them back and tell them thank you. But when it comes to people that have sincere questions, we try and treat every question as as sincere and try and give them a sincere answer. With 6,000 articles on your wiki, do people ever start with one question there and come away with three more? And what does Fair Mormon do about that? The information on our site tries to be factual. And so by it being factual, there will be information that is unvarnished in some ways. And so it is entirely possible that some that somebody could arrive at our site with the one question and leave with a couple more. And so they need to keep studying, and we encourage that. We encourage people to educate themselves and to you know, mature their understanding and their faith. Not everybody needs to do that. It doesn't mean that if you show up with one question, you need to go through all 6,000 articles and resolve all those issues. I I don't think that that's necessary to be done. I think that individuals who come with a question, if they get their answer and they're they're satisfied and they're able to persist, they should continue. And then if another question arises, they come back. But on occasion, when somebody does have a challenge to their faith and they show up and they get one question answered and they discover a couple more, 
they might want to reach out to us and say, look, you know, I'm struggling through more than just this one issue. Can you help us? And then we do that. We try and encourage them to kind of deal with things one at a time, not to feel anxious, not to feel overwhelmed. You know, one of the, one of the approaches that our critics take is to use a shotgun blast. They'll throw 20 different, um, 20 different issues at you. And the assumption being that if only one of them is true, then, you know, you need to throw the baby out with the, with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't we don't believe in that. We don't take that approach. We 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 think slowing down and working through it is the best thing to do. Don't become too anxious. I think that one of the greatest challenges to a person's faith is this sense that they have to resolve it right now. No, you don't. Take what you know, hold on to it, deal with the things that you don't know. We've cataloged pretty much every reason to not believe in the church, but then we provided the answers for um, what is a practical response to those potential criticisms. And so, you know, if if you wanted to create your shotgun blast, you know, our wiki could be a source for that, I suppose. But the reality is, is that, you know, there are good answers. There are good reasons to believe, excellent reasons to believe. And we try and provide those. One of the last things that I'll, I'll say about this is that we're now working um, on a new project called fair Mormon evidence. And what this is, this is detached in the sense um, of not linking back to, but is linked to from our answers wiki. Um, it is detached as a property. And so the idea being that if you land on our evidences page, you're not going to end up back on our on our uh, answers page. But basically, we're, we're amassing reasons to believe. These are evidences of the gospel. It can be everything from a supposed anachronism that is found actually to be what we call a a boomerang hit, you know, something that was a criticism that when you look at it more deeply actually comes back and affirms the church, uh, affirms the truth claims and the authenticity claims of the church. And so we're putting that out because for us, it's, it's not just enough for us to give you reasons to not believe the critics or to um, not abandon your faith, we need to give you positive reasons to believe. And so we're seeing this effort, this new property, as one of the ways in which we can do that. And we hope that um, we can build out something that will be very useful to the members going forward. Thank you, John Lynch. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me on. This episode of the Mormon Faircast is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org. Or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org.